Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show and do I have a treat for you. Joining us on the podcast today is one of the most engaging and fun and joyful women that I've met in business so far. Her name is Anita Seek and believe it or not, this is actually the first time that Anita and I had ever met. We linked up on Zoom sat down, recorded this episode, and I absolutely loved asking Anita all those nosy questions that you kind of want to know when you're first meeting someone. Anita is the founder of the content communications and copywriting studio Word Fetty. She's the host of the very popular podcast Brand Fetty and the woman behind the bright and fun Instagram feed Anita Seek. Anita followed a pretty non-traditional path into what she's doing now and into copywriting. She was actually a lawyer and has a degree in social and organizational psychology, and she fell in love with words and how the choices of them can trigger different emotions and ideas in a reader. So what began as a side gig while juggling her corporate role has today turned into her full-time business. In this episode, we discuss why Anita realized that it was collecting that paycheck or really looking after her mental health. How long exactly it took Anita to attract her very first client, and we're talking months here, how her first client actually found her, and Anita has some really, really good advice here. She also shares what she was earning in her side hustle before she quit her job, how long it took Anita to tell her mum that she had done so, what Anita had in place instead of a business plan how she's grown her business in the past couple of years to now actually have a wait list of clients, what Anita's goals are now and why they've moved beyond revenue goals, a breakdown of actually what her business looks like and what she offers, how she approaches and overcomes challenges today and the advice that she would give herself if she was starting all over again. Before we get into the interview, I want to let you know that Anita and I are going live on Instagram this Wednesday, the 19th of August at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We're teaming up. We're going to get on Instagram, hit the live button, and we're going to fire a few questions at each other before turning the tables and opening up to any questions that you have, whether it's about business or whether you want to tap into the personal side of things too. And both of us have shared different stories about our own mental health as well and the role that that has played in quitting our jobs and starting our businesses. By the way, I actually have my own interview that we recorded straight after we did this one, which is coming out on Brand Fetty on Anita's podcast tomorrow. So go take a listen to those two, but make sure you also jump on Instagram and come join us live because we would love to chat with you and also answer any questions you have. So find us both on Instagram. Anita is A N. I-T-A-S-I-E-K, Anita Seek, and I'm Emily Osmond. So we cannot wait to share it with you. Let's get into the show. All right. Well, Anita, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Emily. I'm so excited. 
I know you a little bit from like your online work, online space, but I'm just excited to get to know you a bit more and what your business looks like, what it has looked like. So um, I'm really excited. Now, there is one question that I tend to ask when I kick things off, and it's just to get to know you a bit outside of work or what you do. And it's um, if there anything that you're listening to at the minute that you're loving or watching or reading. Oh, this is going to be embarrassing to admit, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm currently pinching on just Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, you and me both. Just because it does not re- like it's just so easy watching, and Queer Eye, of course. But um, I'm I, I read a lot of uh, I wouldn't say read. I listen to a lot of books. So I'm currently listening to two books at the moment on Audible. Let me just quickly go in and, oh, this book is so good. It's 101 essays that will change the way you think. I don't know whether you've got this on your list, Em, but you've got to add it on. It's just a feel-good book where it goes into really asking you questions that you don't normally think about like for example how do you want to remember this year like what would your you know 20 years future you say to you right now like it just asks you so many thought-provoking questions instead of us you know we're we're busy day to day and it's we sometimes get lost in that we sometimes just feel like we wake up we're at the laptop we're working and it doesn't help that COVID's happening now too you know like we feel like we're in this bubble whereas this just gets you to think of so many other happy amazing things that get you to look at life deeper and I love it so that's one I am also reading listening to a book called Rocket Fuel Gino Wickham and Marcy Winters so the first one was 101 essays that will change your life by Brianna uh, Weist I think and the second one is Rocket Fuel so the Rocket Fuel is about I guess building a business and having being the visionary building a team around you because even if you're a solopreneur you can't do it all yourself. You still need support. So those are the ones I'm reading, listening to at the moment. Love it. No, I'm de- I was watching MasterChef and I never really got into it like crazy before. A lot of my friends are absolute fanatics, but now I'm really sad it's finished. So yeah, now what comes on? Well, it's Bachelor in Paradise. So I'm yeah. just enjoying that one. <laughs> and then there's Bachelor and then, ah, oh, so good. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing that. So Anita, like, let's go back kind of to the start. Where did you grow up? What was your like childhood like? You know, tell me a bit about that. Oh my gosh, such big questions. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I was actually born in Hong Kong back when they were owned by the British. So I actually have an English passport, but we moved to Australia when I was very young. Uh, So I think literally when I was like two or three, we moved. So I grew up learning two languages together. My mum is Chinese Hawaiian and my dad is Chinese Indonesian. Dad travelled a lot for work and I guess that was also partly the reason that took us to Australia um, because it was a good middle ground because he was going to the US a lot, he was going to Indonesia a lot, he was going to Europe and Hong Kong and Asia and all of that, so it was like a good middle ground. And parents also wanted me to, you know, get better in, like better my English and my language and all of that. So we came when I was very young. I came from a very traditional Asian background had tiger parents and I I say this with the biggest love to them both because gosh they they supported me in whatever I wanted to do but also to their detriment I literally did like six seven instruments 
I did all the sports. So I played like the flute, I played the piano, I played the oboe, I played the violin, I played the like I played all of the instruments. I overcommitted in all my sports. So I was swimming, I was netballing, I was basketballing, rowing, like just all of the things. But I think the one one constant there was my parents had just one simple objective and they were just like, we want you to go to uni and we'd love it if you would choose to pursue a career in either law or become a doctor. I was going to guess law or medicine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Anita does not like blood. So <laughs> lawyer it was. There was actually a stage where I was like, I'd love to be a vet because I really love like animals. I like literally we have on our on our on our website on WordFetty dogs or cats like we, we just have like on our inquiry form you have to answer it I love animals but then I found out you have to do difficult things too as a vet and I'm like I can't so yeah I studied law um, and psychology in university so that took uh, six and a half years two very expensive pieces of paper as as you know <laughs> Um, and it's because that wasn't enough. I decided to get another piece of paper to uh, postgrad to uh, then be admitted as a lawyer. So yeah, I, I, I did that, and then I went into I guess the corporate route uh, as a lot of us have. And uh, don't get me wrong, I, I I actually found it quite. So I was in government, so I went straight into government. I worked in admin, and as soon as I graduated, I just slowly, you know, worked my way up in a way in the corporate ladder, and it was rewarding work. But I think when I was in the corporate environment, I really love challenges, and I think I still like I still do to this very day. And I think it just got to the stage where you know I'd be like, okay, I've done that now. What next? Okay, I'm like just throw me into the deep end and I'll absorb like a sponge. But okay, yeah, now what? Like I've mastered that. Like what next? And I think, yeah, I always felt like this has to be more. Like there was always something missing. And I so I started Word Fetty. I thought of the name literally over a weekend during a funny period between Christmas and New Year's where we have no idea what day it is. And um, I DIY my website, wrote my own copy. I probably spent only $250. And that might even be a topic we could chat about too because that is all that I've spent in terms of the website and the copy until literally this year. How long are you in business now? Yeah, so Side Gig started around three and a half years ago. So I'd probably say I'm nearing my fourth year, but full time, I would probably say, yeah, two and a half. So not long at all. That is amazing. That is awesome. So you started, so you said like you started probably three and a half years ago. You still were working for the government. Yes. Yes. What, like, what did the transition look like? You know, like... I love that question because I think one of the biggest questions people have is, you know, what made you take the leap? Like, or how did you take the leap? How did you do it? And to be honest, I was not ready when I took the leap. No one ever is. There's nothing normal about going from something that is a fortnightly paycheck to something that is just completely unstable. And I think for me, it actually got to the stage where, and and I've openly spoken about this, where, you know, I actually throughout the last four or five months of me being in the organization, very rewarding work. And I actually got a promotion three months before I left. And I was like, yay, like how awesome. But what came 
with that was it was actually like it was a toxic environment if I was just to put it in short and you know there were people who weren't happy about Anita getting that promotion um and and look I completely understand and understand that bit as well and I think it just got to the stage where it actually I was literally like a paycheck or my mental health and that was the what was actually the reason that drove me to you know what I think I'm gonna just give this a go because I've this excites me it's almost like as soon as I finish work at 5 p.m. It's like my my eyes would just light up. I open my laptop and it's like this new world and weekends were consumed by Word Fetty. Like my morning started at like 4 a.m. to like 7 or 8 before my corporate job and it, it was like my happy place. So I was like, you know what, let's just give this a go and never look back and it's just been one heck of a journey so so amazing I can um totally relate I remember even on my lunch break when I had my job I'd just be like oh yeah. I'm just gonna do a bit of client same. work <laughs> oh my god same and then I'd get yeah, out that and be me. like yay let's work for my clients yeah. yeah exactly that exactly that and people used to look at me and be like can you just eat your lunch and I'm like nay email time <laughs> socials time. I think I am glad though that I started the business as a side gig. I'm really, really glad I did because it gave me the chance to really refine who I wanted to work with, what I wanted the brand to be because I feel like when we rush too quickly we're almost like yes let's just take all of the clients when that's usually when business owners are like wait hang on a second like that made me feel like crap. I've got so many questions for you, Nita. I did want to ask a little bit more about um, the experience you had at the job. Why do you think it was so toxic? Why, what was happening there or what was? Oh, it's, uh, to be honest, I think there would probably have been 10, 20% of people in the environment I was in that was amazing and I still talk to them. They're very special humans who will always have a dear place in my heart and, like, if I was to paint a fuller picture, I was someone of, I come from an Asian background, so that's already one. I was also one of the youngest in the team. So I was in my mid-20s, literally just freshly, in a way, graduated. And here I am moving every, uh, like slowly climbing up the ladder when others have been there for, you know, maybe 20, 30 years. And I completely get that. Like I completely get how that might feel for them. And then it just got to the stage where, you know, I would get eyes rolling when I'm talking you know it was just a a mixture of I'll just straight up say it it's it was bullying it was indirect communication too like very indirect types of comms like it's not directed at my face necessarily but it's usually those that hurt the most and look like I said I completely get where they're coming from I really do and I think it's a challenging one though It's not okay, but the thing is, it's one of those situations that have taught me so much too on what what I wanted out of my work and my life. And so it's it's been a really crappy situation, but it's actually like if it wasn't for that happening, I would not be where I am now. So I'm so I'm I'm actually really glad it happened. It was so sucky at that time. (laughs) I would come home and just cry to my husband now and I would just feel so crap and I'm like I don't know like what I've done wrong and I love both things I love both 30 I love this and I don't know what to do and that's hard to get to the stage where you're you like both things and yeah and I and I guess if what if it wasn't for that happening I would probably still be there that's the thing it sounds like it helped 
push you <laughs> to leave. It so. did. Yeah. And oh, that just reminds me of that quote of, you know, you're just that one decision away from a completely different life. And I'm glad it happened. It was sucky at the time, but I'm glad it happened. I want to find out. So you had a few, you were starting WordFetty on the side. How did you do that? Like, where did you get clients from? And also, why was it WordFetty? Why was it the word side of things? I think language and communications have always fascinated me. So being in a family, having grown up learning two languages at the same time, I feel like my brain works in like two, three languages at the same time. So I I speak Chinese, I also speak a bit of Indonesian and I speak English. So it's almost like my brain is like a puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle. Like when my mother talks to me and she talks in Chinese, I sometimes interpret it into English. And I also studied as part of like an elective, like linguistics. And that was, that opened my eyes up so much more. So it's like, when I say, uh, as an example, like, I'd like to work with you, Emily, or versus I'd love to work with you, Emily, like very small change between the word like and love. It sounds symbolism. And another example is huge versus massive, like massive sounds a little bit bigger for some reason like because of again the sound symbolism so language and linguistics words have always fascinated me and I'm I was always a uni student who would much prefer to finesse my assignments than have to be like doing an exam very quickly like I would much rather an assignment and yeah it's just one little word can trigger all these different emotions in someone so that's what I fell in love with and I used to always be the person that my friends and even my husband now is like can you help me wrap my cover letter I'm like yeah yeah I got it I got it except I'd write my own and then I'd be like that awkward person in the interview (laughs) that would be where my downfall was because I would be so awkward AF but it's okay hopefully never (laughs) have to do interviews again I just really enjoyed it and it was just an outlet but I never thought I could pursue a career in it ever ever like my old boss literally on the day I was leaving he was like oh you're writing what's a copywriter? You, there's a job for that? And I'm like, yes, Gary, there's a job for it. How did you get your first clients? I'll be very upfront. So back when I said, yes, Anita created a website and did her DIY website and did it in like two weeks, I sounded, you know, <laughs> sounded like I got it all together. But I launched the website, had a social media account, and it was crickets, like crickets for like six, seven months. And I don't even want to sugarcoat it. Like there was no one there. Like there was no one, like no one knew who I was because I couldn't rely on the whole, you know, I've got 10, 15 years of experience in marketing. I can't, I had no community, zero. No one knew who the heck this person was. No one knew like, yeah, six to seven months before I got my first ever client. And I will never forget her. Like, and it literally, it was a, email that came through and I was like wait what lol (laughs) what is this and it was literally her being like hey I've been following WordFetty for the last five months five six months on Instagram and I love what you're you know sharing out there and I was just wondering whether you had availability and I'm like oh yeah (laughs) I'll make the time and I'll never forget it. I was actually on a like a getaway. I think it was Dean and my like anniversary and we were in Mulaney, beautiful hinterlands. And I was like, sorry, bub, like gotta go outside, got a client call. <laughs> 
So she was my first ever client. It took seven months for me to get my first lead. But I guess as a tip for like all your listeners, and this is something that I I know you share a lot about as well, like consistency. That is the magic. Like it's got nothing to do with even like tactics or anything like that. It's it's consistency because during those six months, I showed up like every like without fail. I was like, okay, five posts a week on Instagram, I'll do blogs and I'll do all that. And throughout the five months I did, I did it even when no one was there. Do you know what? Like, I think that's two key things as well. It's kind of like, you just wanted it. It's just like that hunger. And so you don't even care that you're like doing all this, like, you know, writing and, and putting all this effort in because you want it. And then also the thing is we never know who's looking. We never know who's watching. So the fact that she was like, I've been, you know, I've been following you for five months. You're probably like, oh, someone's actually like paying attention. Wow. (laughs) You never know. Exactly. And it's, it's almost like the listeners to our episode at the moment. Like we don't really know until you guys like tag like on Instagram and be like we're listening to you right now or tag tag me when you're listening to like a podcast that you know I'm I'm on or on Brand Fetty like you don't know until someone reaches out which is just that is what brings me so much joy too like even like not even a lead like just when people are just like hey <laughs> listening <laughs> it's awesome can I ask what did you charge for your first job oh peanuts like nothing like I, I'm almost like it was just literally I act like it was probably like a hundred oh gosh like let maybe even like nothing and I think I almost was like can I just do it for free <laughs> like I actually don't even mind it's just something I want to do and what was it that you did for her? What was the first job? Website copy, website copy. So she's a creative and she wanted words for her new website. And I was like, ooh, where do I begin? It was first her about page. And then I wrote that. And after like a two hour phone call, getting to know her story. And I just remember feeling so energized hearing people's stories. And then it just, yeah, it, it was a working relationship from there for around, yeah, four or five months where we did the rest of her website and emails, pitch decks and all of that. It was, yeah. It grew into a place in my heart. Grew into a bigger job then from there. It did. Yeah. And that was when it started to snowball because she then told everyone like about her experience with me. She wrote me an epic testimonial, like she shared it with so many people. And that's when I think from there, it was literally two months. And then I was starting to get booked like in advance. Like that was when after a year of side gigging, so it was around four months after that, uh, that first lead I had, that was when it started to snowball. And I was like, okay. That is awesome. So when you wrote her about page and started doing her web copy, because I assume you'd never really done that before, maybe apart from yourself, like, how did that feel? Did you feel like, oh, crap, like, I don't know how to do this. I'm just going to hope she thinks I know. Or what was that like? I think the first step I knew I had to do was to get to know her as though I'm literally an extension of her brain. So when I got on that call with her Zoom call and got to know her story, I was like, by the end of this call, I need to know you, your story, as though I'm literally in your brain. Like, I need to know what you want to achieve with this brand. I need to know your story. I had to create that space for them to share their wildest dreams and all of that, which you know, is important too, because you can't, the the real magic 
is when they are able to share those elements of their story, which they don't even realise is what could set them apart. And for them to open up, that was my first goal, for them to open up to me, feel comfortable enough to share their dreams and their vision and their objectives and where they see their business in five years' time. Like I needed to know that first. And as soon as I'm able to get like a 360-degree like view, I'm then able to see patterns as to, okay, well, if you're wanting to ultimately go there in five years time, we can't just be playing here right now. We need to start paving a path to that. So then my my next step would be understanding who is that person we're talking to? Who is that person that we ultimately want to be getting their attention on? Um, it's not everyone because as we all know, you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. <laughs> Once I know Then the third step is me like literally becoming a chameleon and I'm like, okay, slide into this person who would want to read this about page. What would she or he want to read? They don't technically want to hear about, you know, just this person's story and how they came to doing, you know, all of that. They want to know why you, why are you uniquely placed to help me solve this problem? Why should I care? Why should I listen to you? Why should I read this? Like, I don't really want to read another about page that's just about that person. I want to know about your story and how that connects to my pain point. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to their about page it's not I know this sounds so ironic but it's not actually about you like you have to share that story of how your story is relevant to you being able to help them and that's what I say it's like all about communicating the challenges and the desires of your target audience but also like it's so much about showing for instance like your value so your audience can see them reflected as well it's so huge. Totally. And then I know um, you said it's not actually about them, the about page, and it's really communicating like, you know, to the target audience. But there's so many bloody about pages that I see that have oh. no photo and then no name. It's like, we at this business do this and this. And it's like, who? And it's like a one person yeah, business. <laughs> and it's like, get your name on there. <laughs> totally. And the world has changed so much too in the last 10 years like we used to like back in 50 like 15 years ago we or maybe 20 years ago we used to go next door to the shop and we find out about you know that brand or that business that we should buy from and then it moved to the world of google and then it moved to the world of social media where by the time they actually land on your website they have already probably lurked you and they probably already Googled you and done their research. So you need to give them more. It's always that one up that you need to give to them because they probably would have already looked at two or three other competitors potentially in your space. So why you instead of that other person? Like, you know, why you instead of that other brand with the unique source? So Anita, let's go back. So you got that first job, then a bit of word of mouth started happening and you had some more clients come in. At what point did you then resign? And even like when you resigned, did you have a business plan and how much were you already bringing in before you were like, I'm going to quit my job? Uh, No business plan. (laughs) I'm just going to be so honest and real with you guys. Uh, Yeah, look, no, no, there was no business plan. Uh, It was just literally, um, I'm just going to give this a crack. I'm just going to give this a go. Uh, We'll see how it goes. If all else fails, Anita can get a job at Macca's. Uh, So one, no, there was no business plan, but I did have 
I guess, a goal. Like I at least had a goal. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I had a goal. And the first goal I had was simply if I could, you know, and it's always a revenue goal when you first leave your corporate job. It's like, if I can make as much as I can in my corporate job, then yay. But now I think three, four years later, it's it's beyond a revenue goal. Like it's, I don't think I personally measure success based on revenue. I think it's for me, um, I actually did a epic journaling activity earlier this year by myself. Um, But I got really clear on what was important to me in work and life. And that was, for me, that there was an intersection between what I saw was important. And that was learning, that was connection, and that was also legacy. And like, I don't want to just necessarily be remembered for as that service provider. Like, I want people to start seeing me and WordFetty as a brand that is spreading the power of words. Like even when I was just mentioning to you, like little word choices, like even the words we use to our family, our friends, especially during a a, a pandemic, like are you adding to the stresses of people when you're sending that email and being like, oh, it's been such a stressful time. I know it's like, well, can we try to change the word stress? Because people probably weren't stressed until they read the word stress. (laughs) It's funny you say that because that's I've been conscious of that in my emails. I actually have. How have I been saying? I think uh, I hope you're okay during these times, and rather than saying yeah. during these horrific times, during these tra- like of oh, yeah. course for yeah. some people it's horrible, but so many other people they're like Emily, my business is going really well right now. Like, and it's yeah. almost like you know you don't. Yeah, I, I like how you said that. You don't want to impress feelings, thoughts, words on other people. That's it. And we don't realize it's, it's not just, it's beyond just business. It's everyday language. We, we, we text, we talk on the phone. Like what are the words we're sharing out there and are they adding to, cause it's like a ripple effect. Like if you say something to, let's just say a barista who made you your coffee this morning, but they were for some reason, 15 minutes late. If you just said to that person, really? Like that took you 15 minutes instead of, hey, thanks for that. It's a ripple effect into that person's day and our words can become a ripple effect. And I that is what I really want to measure, I guess, our success or our impact on people starting to realise these things and us being a, I guess, a resource or a hub to spread that message you're so true. When we start the business, I think it is about, okay, I need to make some money, need to make some money. And then I think we get to a point where it's like, okay, things are going pretty well. And you start realizing money isn't fulfilling. What do I want to be kind of contributing? And you spoke about legacy and it's really like, okay, the business is going well now. And you kind of get to the point and it's weird. And I know that people probably in the early days of business are like, oh, that doesn't make any sense or that's crazy. But I think it really is true. Like you, you, first of all, it is about, you have to get the money because it's like, you need to be, you know, Yeah, money is important. Definitely. (laughs) But I'm a big believer that you could have a lot of money in the business yet still be absolutely just so sad. And you see so many businesses who should be really like business owners who should be really happy. But then for some reason, they're just like, I don't know what I've created. I don't know this monster (laughs) that I have created. And that's because they haven't taken the time to, and I'd highly recommend that if you're feeling that at the moment that you do pause and take the time to 
journal and it was it was such a big life change changing moment for me when I sat down and actually wrote down what is important to Anita's life and what is important to Anita's work because for me it's work-life integration not really work-life balance I love what I do and you do too Em. and it's and, and it's it needs to integrate and, and and it's only then that we're able to live every day and feel fulfilled, live every day and feel like we're contributing to something good and live every day and feel like, wow, like I do this as work? Huh? What? It's so fun, isn't it? It's so much fun. And yes, it's stressful and it has challenges, but I think it's just like, I always describe it kind of as like this game and this puzzle when you have, when you're like an entrepreneur yes. and have your own business, it's like, oh, let's like try put this piece into the puzzle. And oh, yes. it's just so fun. It's so fun. I love that you said that because it is, it is like an experiment. And I think that is the biggest thing I've seen too, with a lot of, and we share so many similar audiences. I feel like this is, would be the same for you, but they're always like, oh, I need to make it perfect. Or I can't launch yet because you know, it's not perfect. Yo, like I've, I've like literally changed my way website like no one will ever see the first reiteration of my website because it was so bad like but you know people are not going to hold you against your first ever like it's always supposed to be better it's a lesson you can always refine it I love there's like this quote or whatever but it's like if you look back and you aren't like embarrassed by the first version of what you created you just you started too late And I, I feel like that makes for such a cool story a few years later on too, where you're able to be like, oh, hey, here's the website I made on, I don't know, XYZ. Check it. It doesn't even, it do, it doesn't even look great on mobile. And then you can share your lessons. How cool is that? So you, um, when you quit your business, what type of money were you bringing in? Was it, because I know when I quit my business, I, I mean, sorry, when I quit my job. <laughs> I was I like, whoa, oh, Em. Haven't quit the business yet. No. <laughs> when I quit my job, I think I was making maybe like 400, 500 a month from my freelance work at that point. However, I did then get quite a nice meaty contract, which was $10,000. So I'm like, but I hadn't had that quite secured when I quit my job, but that really helped me get through. Mm. Did you have, you know, like enough money already coming in when you quit your job that you're like, oh, this is fine or? Yeah, I'm trying to look back now. I think like to paint a fuller picture, I, you know, I had a upfront discussion with my husband now and was just like, okay, so uh, uh, you need to stay in your job <laughs> just in case. Yeah, it's not working. But I also, I I, I don't re- recommend this to everyone, but I actually also bought a house, bought a car literally before I left because <laughs> I don't recommend this for everyone. But I was like, okay, so as a business owner, it's going to take a while to be able to do all of that if they were to look at all of that but it made me work heck and hard but I think I might have had like maybe two three grand a month from client work at that stage I started to have a lot of people wanting to do ongoing work once I do their website they're like oh can you write my EDM can you write our blogs can you do this can you do this as well and then so I had a few of that and then we also had a wait list uh when I say we it was just me I definitely would have come short in a way, Uh, had a mortgage and a car loan and all these other things I had to pay. But I also saved enough money for around three months worth, three, four months worth of all the pills, uh, uh, bills, sorry, uh, that I had to... (laughs) 
Just all the bills. <clears throat> yeah, all the bills I had to pay so that it was, look, if Anita had no clients for three months, she would still be okay. And uh, so that was co- kind of like my security blanket. Dean was also there if we had to lean on that. And, yes, yeah, so I, I definitely wouldn't say I had necessarily enough uh, I, was, I definitely wasn't making what I was making in the corporate job in my side gig. And that's the other thing, right? Because that's the other thing people think that if as soon as I make the same amount of, as to what I'm making with a corporate job, then I can quit. Look, there are some exceptions, but majority of the time when you give a business side gig energy, you're going to get side gig outcome. And it's it wasn't until I went full throttle into it that it just completely catapulted so I feel like within literally a month probably less it was just a catapult it was just like a snowball effect and I started to have to hire you know a team I had an editor and I had like another copywriter I had you know um, admin support and it just grew from there is when you take that leap and it's almost like hey this is like you, you're kind of showing the world that you're committing to it. You're showing your audience. And I know that was the same for me. When I did it, then it was like work started coming in as well, which was really, That's really it. cool. Can you take us through? So it's only been like two and a half years full time, right? Yeah, ne- nearing three years, I feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two and a half. Yep. So what have the iterations looked like? Because I'm sure it's probably changed a bit since you first started in terms of, I guess, what you offer and different packages and yeah can you step us yeah totally so when I first left it was still predominantly you know uh, you know website and that was my jam I loved developing the information architecture of a website because the whole goal of a website is to provide our audience with enough information so that they're able to make a decision to work with you the whole goal is to get them to contact you to convert, to buy your product uh, or to invest in your service. And working backwards from that goal and developing your website through the different information architecture uh, or or sitemap in a way really fascinated me and that always still to this very day fascinates me, how how a website works. So we still do website. What we do do now as well, um, so this is probably more so last year, we've we've got three hero, I guess, service offerings. We've got a brand strategy, which is almost what comes before actually the website. And this is usually something I would do. It probably, I would say, takes more time than the actual website because this is us getting under the skin of the who, the what, the why you, the, the the brand voice, the messaging strategy. What do we want to be known for? Who are we talking to? What are their pain points? Because if you're a PT and you're talking to someone in their 20s versus someone in their 60s, it's going to be different messaging. Like someone in their 20s will want to hear things like, confidence, feeling comfortable in their own skin. Whereas someone in their 50s or 60s, you know, may not be moving as much. So they will want to hear things like movement or low impact movement. They just want to feel young again, you know? So yes, at the end of the day, it's fitness, but the messaging is completely different if you have these two different audiences. And uh, so we dissect that 
We dive into the mission, the values, we survey, uh, we actually do an outreach of clients as well. So I guess our brand strategy experience is a fusion of consumer psychology uh, from my learnings from that, uh, human-centred design, which is very honed into empathy and very audience-led, very human-led instead of us sharing to the whole world how amazing this product and service is because we all know that we read things like that now with a grain of salt. Like what does that actually mean for that person? So we dive really deep into empathy and then we add into the mixing posh, the brand's unique source. So that is like us understanding what actually makes this brand different. And there is always something. There is always, always something. Like people will think, oh, there's so many others in the industry that, you know, does that or, you know, sell that product or sell that service. Yes, there are always, even if you've got a new product or a new service offering, that may work for the next six months or year, but there will always be others that come into the space. Like think of Uber and now Lyft and Didi and Ola, like it was just Uber at the beginning. And then like Airbnb, like Airbnb were never the first people to do, you know, holiday homes or like rent, like accommodation. Uh, but they came in with a very strong messaging, which is, you know, if you want to travel like a local, you book with Airbnb and that's what people stick to and that's their messaging. And now if Booking.com was to come in and was like, hey, you want to travel like a local? You're like, wait, hang on. That is Airbnb's thing. Like, what, what? <laughs> so that, so that is brand strategy. It's almost like the skeleton of the brand. We then take that and execute on it into all different types of copy and content. So this is, uh, you know, your website, your emails, even your email funnel, funnel sequences for, you know, things that we want to turn evergreen uh, to literally every single content touch point. So that's just words, copy, content. Uh, and then now this is actually us diving into, I uh, actually haven't shared too much about this. So it's like, ooh, exclusive, exclusive coverage. Uh, no, but. <laughs> you heard it first here. <laughs> you heard it first here. Uh, but this, this year, I know we're already halfway through, but this year I have been working so hard to, there, there's been a lot of internal shifts and I mentioned it a little bit earlier on when I did that huge journaling activity. And as I mentioned, connection, learning and legacy is something that's so, something so important to me. And I just don't think purely by, you know, love the brand strategy work and love website copy, but I want nothing lights me up than to even get DMs from people who listen to the podcast and they're like, I, I finally quit my job or, oh my gosh, I took on your tip there and I've converted X amount. Like it, it's in a way, like, you know, it was just a podcast and you would feel the same too, Em, you know? So I like, we're so excited. I'm so excited. So I'm actually diving to a space where we're really going to hero in on an online program experience to to help people think, write and convert like a copywriter without having to be, and this is one of the biggest objections. People are like, I'm not a writer though, but you in a way are your business's best salesperson. Like, you know, your business back to front. You just don't know what to say. Oh, this is the thing because I think a lot of people think, yeah, they like, I hear it too. They're like, oh, but I'm a really terrible writer or I don't know what to say, but I'm all about, but you know, your business. I know. Yeah. And you just, and people at the end of the day, they know 
what to say. Come on. Like they know what they do. They know that product. They know that service. But the things they don't, they just don't know how to say it. They don't know how to say it in a way that is powerful, that will get people remembering their brand, being the first top of mind for their audience. They don't know how to convey a message. They don't know what type of content to create. They don't know how to show up on, you know, um, whether or not it's on Instagram or what, what caption to write. That's another one. Like they just don't know how to get their message out there. And I think once they do, oh, it's almost like the magic in knowing how to write the words to your business. It's, and we don't realize because copywriters, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, be straight, straightforward. Like a lot of copyright, it's not cheap. Copywriters are not cheap. And it's, there's a reason why it's like a, I think it's like a 80 or a hundred billion dollars. Like it's, it's a lot of money for words when you can learn and you know it's not just a website either it's emails it's literally even the fine like the the small words it's sales pages like you're gonna launch new products you're gonna launch new services are you going to bring in a copywriter each time and if you're an established business for sure but if you're starting out I would actually say there is so much value in learning because you you I have refined my own website so many times before getting it. And I'm actually going through a massive rebuild, another exclusive, an epic rebuild of both my website and WordFetty's website. And so I still do it too. And, you know, it took me three years, three years to get so clear. So yeah, so those are the three things like that we we do now. And I'm so excited about the, oh, so excited about the online program experience. Like it just... Thinking about it's like Christmas every day. (laughs) So exciting. But it is so true what you say about people, I guess, developing like the skills and then the confidence to write their own copy if they can. And, you know, if it's like, I mean, if it's a small business and they'd prefer to do that rather than hire someone, but having those skills, it is like the amount of return that's going to get them in their business is just incredible. And it's also, I love how you said, you know, it's every single touch point. It's even what people have on their buttons on their website. Like instead of click Ooh, here, yes. it could be like, let's do this. Or, you know, every single little touch yes. point. Every little touch point and it's everywhere, like you mentioned. It's not just, yeah, even the buttons, even the PSs on your email signature by the way, which is an epic, epic real estate for you when you're emailing people every day, like, hello, (laughs) even autoresponders, every touch point. Anita, what have been some of the biggest challenging times in your business? Have there been any times when you're just, you know, I don't know, it's just been really tough or you've been like, I can't do this. Oh my gosh, Em, like, oh, like every week. I'm just gonna, I'm not even, (laughs) I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. Come on. Like, as business owners, I wouldn't give it up, give it up ever though, like ever. But I, I really want to be yeah, real with your listeners and say that it is business ownership is the fast lane to personal growth. Like it, it, I go through a roller coaster of emotions on a weekly basis. And this is not me trying to even sugarcoat it. Like there will be a day where I'm like, yes, like, yeah, like so exciting, so excited. But then there'll be another day where I'm like, oh my gosh, all the tech is failing. I can't even do this. I can't even record a podcast or I am recording a podcast and next door is literally demolishing their house. And this is a true story. (laughs) 
And I'm like, really? Really? Um, so there would be all these different emotions that happened. And that's the thing. That is one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And I think two years ago, I probably would have been like, oh my gosh, like what's, like why is this happening? Now I, I think the biggest shift for me in the last, you know, two years has been an investment in, I feel like two, two, three key things. One, an investment into me and my mindset. That is massive, massive. And, you know, reframing like when challenges happen or when things happen, being able to be like, you know what, that sucked. But what am I going to learn from that? And how can we make this better next time? And I nowadays, like when things happen, bad things happen, I embrace it. I'm like, heck yeah. Like, what can we learn from this? Like, where was there, <laughs> where was there a time when something bad happened that you didn't learn from it? Like, it's almost like if you do not screw up, where is the learning? And I, learning is important to me. So it's almost like, you know what? Yeah, let it happen. Let failure happen. Or I, I don't even call it failure, but we should embrace it. Like, cause you're going to learn from it. That's been a big one. Uh, the second one is, um, the people you surround yourself with. Again, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but, you know, owning a business, like I've definitely lost friendships. Like I've definitely lost friends. Like, and it's, it's, that's hard. How come you've lost them? Do you think? I think especially in the first year or two, like I was just so consumed in Word Fetty Land. Um, And I love Word Fetty Land. I love it so much. But then I also forget that Anita's life is not just word fetty land. And look, I've got some extraordinary friends, business friends who are, has been there from day dot. And, but, but it's, it's been hard because I've, you know, I've had friends who are just like, you, you are just consumed by word fetty. And, you know, I, I, I don't get the chance to always go, especially at the beginning when I was side gigging, I don't always get the chance to go out on weekends and hang out with, you know, everyone. I'm like, no, this is word fetty time. <laughs> word fetty time. And of course I make time and that it, it's important. I, I, I did make time for friends and my family, but definitely not at the stage. Like I definitely wasn't making enough time for some of the friendships that I had that probably, you know, had meetups every single weekend, which I couldn't. And I had to say no and I yeah so that that definitely has been challenging but also I've also had amazing friends who have literally been there they're still here they're still literally they're almost my biggest fans they're always the first one to double tap on my Instagram they listen to my podcast episodes <laughs> they like they listen to all of them and it's just so so yeah I think that 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 was a challenging period too where you know during the first few stages you sacrifice not just friend like you know time with your friends but also your family you know and that's not something I uh, I'm, I'm proud of it's not something I because family is something very it is very important to me it's definitely shifted my way now in realizing that you know Anita's life is not just word fetty I needed to actually realize that you know I was literally waking up word fetty word fetty word fetty and then last thing I see is word fetty and then I go to sleep for me to then reshape and this is probably in the last year and being like, you know what? Yes, word fetty is so important to Anita, but there's also other things that are important like friends and like, you know, like family and all of that. And it's just, it's like this analogy. And I think Emma Isaacs from um, her book Wing, we're talking about like, you've got all these different burners of work, of family, of you, uh, of friends. Like you can't, it can't all literally be firing up 
Like you've got to turn and you're like a DJ of your life. (laughs) Try to maneuver and find that balance. So, yeah. The third one I think is, and I'm still getting, trying to get better at this, is figuring out that balance and how that looks, that equilibrium for me. Like, because I feel like my brain does not stop. (laughs) It's like Anita's brain is ready to have a rave at 2 a.m. in the morning. It's like BYO glow sticks. Like, it's... (laughs) But uh, it does not stop, and which is good, but it's also not good when you you do need to pause to yeah you need to slow down. Um, so I'm still getting better at that, and that that probably is a massive challenge that I'm still navigating in because I yeah I'm just like yes I've got I, I am the person that has like 20 tabs open. I can relate to that. And I think what you said about now, I guess, like almost turning down that little DJ knob on the business, like it's still going amazing. It's still going, but then having a little bit more space for those other areas in your life will maybe help with being able to switch off a little bit more. That's what I'm hoping for me anyway. (laughs) Yes. And that, that, that is like this year I'm making a conscious effort um, to like do like, uh, well, this is obviously pre COVID, but we actually had the goal to, you know, go, go traveling a little bit and find what brings that, you know, creativity and all of that to us. Now I'm finding other ways. So for example, like every month we're going to go on a little getaway, uh, fingers crossed with COVID. Uh, but you know, a little getaway because every single time I pause the best ideas happen oh I know but we don't do it well I don't because I'm no, like ah, no I've got so much I want to yeah. keep doing I want to keep doing it and then but when you do that's it. take a bit of time out it's like better you come back with better that's ideas. it yeah like you're on a massage table and you're just like oh my gosh where's my notepad <laughs> all the ideas yeah but <laughs> Anita a exactly. couple of last questions what do you think your parents think of you now or of your like what you've carved out as your business so I took (laughs) I took 10 months to tell my mom I quit my job (laughs) out of love so please know that I did not like I I definitely am not there to like I I didn't want to lie to her or anything like that um and look in a way I I wasn't lying because I was actually on extended leave I was on leave and I told my mum I was on leave, but she was of the view that, okay, Anita's obviously going through a quarter life crisis. Uh, when are you going back? <laughs> um, I'm like, not going back. Yeah, it took me 10 months to tell my mum and I still remember it. I was so nervous. It was Christmas. Dean was like, okay, so Anita's got something to tell you. And I'm like, of course, of course you would do that. And I told her and I was just like, so I've decided to quit. Okay, bye. Next topic. <laughs> no. Um, but my mum's response was she was quiet at the beginning. I remember when I first told her, she was like, okay. And I was like, okay, so what do you think? And she was like, uh, well, you're old enough to make your own, own decision. And she kind of left it as that. But I think what was magical about it was we actually had Wedfetti's first kind of like like full year birthday party the next day. And I invited her to the event and she was like, oh, I'll pay for you to get your hair done and I'll buy you a new outfit. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's your indirect support, okay? <laughs> that's your indirect support. And I introduced her to everyone at the party. There was like around 80, 90 
of us there that was a combination of clients, like just the community. Oh, that was a really fun night. And I introduced her to everyone and, and it was just so special. It was like my two worlds colliding. I think mum, obviously, like she, I don't think she really knows what I do. But that's okay. She thinks I maybe she thinks I write haikus and poetry, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> and th- that's okay. I think I, each time I try to tell her, she's like, "Oh, she's got like an online business," and I'm like, "That'll do." <laughs> Is there one thing that you wish you knew when you first started that would have served you well? Mm, ooh. I would probably say, yeah, the the biggest one that popped into my head was that it is just enjoy the journey. It's not a sprint, like it's a it's a marathon. And I think I'm a very go, go, go like type of person. I just really like to, I don't know, I, I feel like I set a goal or I set a task and it's like an inner competition for me by myself to do it like a day earlier or two days earlier or to like triple it or to like I'm always like trying to set my move the goalposts like and and you don't get the chance to celebrate I know because I'm always like oh crap I changed what those goals were now I can't remember what my original goals were (laughs) exactly and we don't get the chance to pause and celebrate because we're always moving the goal we're setting ourselves up to fail in a way really so I think if I was to, yeah, say something to my uh, three, 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 four years self, I would be like, seriously, this is such an exciting journey that you get to be. What an extraordinary time to be able to own a business online, be able to work in your PJs if you really want to, be able to work if you've got an online business wherever there is Wi-Fi. What an extraordinary time to experiment, to test, to see what really you enjoy. You don't have to know all the answers. You just, though, need to know a little, like your North Star, like what is that life and work view that you really want? What, what do you want in your life? What, how do you want to wake up in your day-to-day what does your ideal uh, like ideal week look like and why can't you start living that way now that would be what I would say to myself from there because I think I was very just like oh just do 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 like work 15 16 hours and just not realize that that's it's it's not a sprint Anita it's uh enjoy the journey and um it's it's beautiful when you enjoy the journey Such a good way to wrap up. Anita, I've loved chatting with you. Where can everyone go to find you? Oh, yay. Um, I would love to connect with you guys. Uh, You can have me, uh, well, in your ears too, on Brand Fetty, the podcast. You can find me personally on my personal account at Anita, A-N-I-T-A, Seek, S-I-E-K. And you can follow the BTS of Word Fetty uh, on Word Fetty. Yay, on Insta. I've got to get you back because I could just talk to you. Thank you again. I've loved having you on the show. (laughs) You're amazing, Em. Thank you so much having me thank you for listening to the emily osmond show brought to you by my instagram freebies which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free so please take a few seconds to leave me a review subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast upload it to your social media and tag me at emily osmond so i can give you a shout out too until next time remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.